This is Work of the Beat. It is Friday. We've reached it, gang. September 20th, 2019, week three of the NFL. Up ahead, I'm Kevin Cooney along with Mike Kern as we get you set for a big football weekend and a good show on tap for you today because we are honored to have the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, the longest continuous voice of an NFL franchise uh, currently in, in the league. That's Merrill Reese, who's been the play-by-play man for the Eagles since 1977. Honored that he will join us. He will join us uh, after this first segment. Michael Jack, how are you? Yeah, babe. Uh, it's, you know, the summer's over. Summer is Fisher. over. It is it is chilly out this morning. Although oh, it's, it's supposed going, to get hot. It's supposed to get to 85. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing a high school football I wear shorts as long as I can. That's my mantra now. That's your mantra? I just, that's how I got to move somewhere some point in my life where I can wear shorts almost all year. It's a lot easier with shorts. It is. I start thinking about long pants the other day. It's if I go up to my gym, I gotta you gotta you gotta take shorts with you. The chain I, I don't like that. I like getting up in the morning, throwing on as little as I can, doing my thing, whatever, and but unfortunately Philadelphia not, not a market. Like that. Not a market no, where you can too much and I felt myself coming down with a little bit of a cold I'm not is, to blame for this one. No, I didn't blame you. I know. I know the, uh, everybody else in my family has been sick. I, I just there's there's no, there's no redeeming qualities. If you took Christmas, the Super Bowl, and Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and that's not really winter yet, but whatever, out of the winter, what do you have? Snow. I mean, February is the worst month of the year. You have the Super Bowl early, and then it's the worst month of the year. Without you know, and if the Eagles aren't yeah, spring, good, yeah, spring January training. can be the worst month of the year. Yeah, spring training. I don't care about spring training. I don't care about any training camps. Do I care about the Flyers training camp that they can't? No, because they go out and win their first three games, and training camp means nothing. You know, training camp for the Phillies, they were going to the World Series, even though I knew that they weren't, but people thought they were. Yeah, training camp is, is stupid. You just hope people don't get hurt. That's all you hope in training. To Sixers training camp, you just hope that Embiid doesn't grab his leg. Or Simmons. That's all you care about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what Anto- what um, um, the, the, I'm blanking out on my names now. Uh, the guy they got from the Clippers last year. Um, oh, it's Tobias Harris. It doesn't matter. where He can average 35 a game. Well, he won't play that much. But it doesn't matter. Preseason is preseason. That's why they call it preseason. Yes. Or exhibition, actually, is a better term for it. But And, of course, after Merrill, we'll give our <clears throat> weekly picks. Um, no, we won't. Yeah, we will. Yeah, I'll give 30. <laughs> it's okay. You know, I, I the one of the things we had on the show last week, a couple people who have reached out said they love Mike's picks. They just wish they knew what picks are formally Mike's picks. It doesn't have to be formal. They can all be formal. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and I'll be totally honest, because I I liked Houston last night. I really did. Because I, I, you know, I don't know. And they were winning 28 to 7. I'll be honest. If we, if we had picked, if we had done our, our podcast on Thursday, I would have picked Jacksonville in my NFL. I, in fact, I did like. Because I'm in Shumania. I just. When I, the way I bet anymore, or I don't bet, but throw, I almost go against teams. I'm not real high on Tennessee. No. But I think they got me the first week. I'm, I'm trying to remember back. I think I did something against them, a teaser or something. I don't know. You know, and we'll probably bring this up with um, Merrill at some point because I know his feelings about Chip Kelly, but thank God the Eagles didn't draft Marcus Mariota. Thank yeah, but God. You, but you don't, you know, at the time, I mean. That's, oh, you don't know it at the time, but, but you could go the way back it worked out. of those. I mean, you know, they didn't, they didn't, uh, the, the safety they got now, they, he was like their fourth pick for their safety. They wanted like three other guys and all the other guys signed. Now Malcolm Jenkins is like this great eagle. They didn't want Malcolm Jenkins. They didn't want Mike Quick. They want a Perry Tuttle. I mean, you can do that a hundred different ways. Maybe if Chip had get taken Mariota, it might have turned out different. You don't know that. You know, I mean, Chip did have some moments here. People forget. I love this. His second season, not his first season. His second season, they were nine and three. They went to Dallas and beat Dallas with with Sanchez. Yep. They were the favorite at that point by most people to go to the Super Bowl. Then went to Green Bay and got their ass kicked. No, no, no. Seattle came here. And oh yeah, that's right. Butt. In a game they weren't going to win because Seattle's defense. And then they lost the game. Then following week to the Cowboys at home where they trailed twenty one nothing, came back and tied it. 
So if they beat the Cowboys in that second game, they would have been either the first or second seed like in the NFC. So people forget that. It's like it never happened because the season ended badly with Mark Sanchez, who was out of the league like the next minute. Yeah. So I know Chip, I know he stunk, he stinks. Now you say, I get it. And you say he's going to have a new athletic director, so he's going to be gone. Um. Yeah, but but P, you never hear people say that about Chip. You never say they were nine and three and the favorites, not the COVID. They were the favorite at that point to get to the Super Bowl. But then, you know, and then it all happened. Eh, that's because life changes. Things change in sport. That's what makes sports great, except for the Patriots. The Patriots are a constant. Unfortunately. They're a constant, all but, right. But the Eagles beat them. But the Eagles beat and them. That's all that counts. That's right. How about the guy on Jeopardy with the bet of 41-33 on a daily double? Did you see that last night? Why'd he do 41? I, no, I was no, I was golfing. He's an Eagles fan. Okay. Did he did he get it right? Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah, he's won like tw- like yeah. 13 or 14 times. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty good. He bet 41-33 is his But that other guy that was on it won like James that won like 35. Yeah. He was yeah. He made 41-33, by the way, is the final score of the Super yeah, Bowl. He made bets like that like all the time. He would yeah. make a bet and Alex would look at him and and it had something to do with somebody's birthday or yeah. or whatever. And by the way, before we get too much into this, if we, Phillies. You know, I was gonna save that now, for the end. I was, oh no, we can save it for the end. The look on Gabe Kapler's <laughs> face last night. Now whatever I know. Want, I did not see the game as it was happening. I saw like from I the did. eighth inning on. And all they could, kept could, talking about was that they pitched to... To um, Freddie Freeman. Right. Yeah. And then Gabe's response. And I said, I'm sitting there with Tony Leodore, and I see, he said, why would he do that? And I said, the, the response is going to be that Noah has good numbers against Freddie Freeman. It's the only... That's where... And, and the look on Gabe's face when they were questioning him after, you could tell he had that, like... Mm-hmm. That, like... That's what I hate about analytics. Yep. And nobody... Where logic manages, takes a break. Well... Well, his logic didn't take a break. I mean, his logic was was I get it, but if you nobody manages or does things by the seat of their pants anymore, yep. their gut. Bill Belichick does things. He'll say we're going for it on fourth down. Um, uh, Peterson will do things. He'll just say, hey, we're going yep. for it on fourth down. We're doing <laughs> this. We're doing. That. It doesn't always work out for you, but I mean, although Doug does it a lot by analytics, but that's a whole different. Well, that's story. fine. It, but but he uses that. But right to it just to me is crazy. That looked like a dead man walking yesterday. He did. And, he and looked look, like a dead they're not, they're probably weren't despite gonna make, what Matt Clintax says on Thursday. And we'll get, that's why we'll get into. Well, the they're probably not going to make the playoffs anyway. Yeah, but. If you win that game, okay, you swept the Braves, you know you're 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 still in it. You're you're still playing, and there's and technically they still are. But, I, I but they've that. made a lot of progress. Who said that? Clintac. Progress from when to when? This year? Yeah. Well, they did. I, I mean, they're a better team this year than they were last year. When you go out and sign a guy for three hundred and thirty million dollars, when you spend half a billion, who at in the, the time is considered the second or. You know, it's a joke. It's a joke. No, but you're going to get better. I I, I know, but it's just because they say stuff because the expectations from their from us from the owner were that you're going to be in the playoffs this year, and not just in the playoffs, but maybe make a run. And that's the problem with expectations. Just like this Eagles team. Now, you know, we're going to do. Okay, maybe you are. I don't know how the season's going to play out, but now you're looking at going to Green Bay on a short week, which is probably you're not going to be favored. Doesn't mean you can't win. So they're looking at if they lose to Detroit, and now all of a sudden, One a of game three. that you looked at as Detroit coming here, well, now you're half your teammate might not play. Um, you're still favored by a touchdown, which mm-hmm. tells you all you need to know about Detroit. But yeah, it's not, you know, now you're looking at it and saying, okay, and I know they have that last part of the schedule's easy, and I, I get it. But you know, maybe they're not going to win third. You know, maybe they're going to be a ten-win team, and and that's still good. You know, but expectations are are it, it. The only team you can have expectations on is the New England Patriots because every year they win eleven or twelve or thirteen games. Well, win. in baseball, I think the Yankees, but that's a whole different story. The Yankees have won one World Series since two thousand and one. So tell me what the expectations on the Yankees should be. Yes, they're going to be in the playoffs. Fine, they've won once. Once the Cardinals have won th- uh, th- two or three, is it two or three? Three, two. Giants won three. I mean, you know, for a franchise like the Yankees that sends out all stars at every position, 
They've won once. Yeah. And how, and that's the only World Series they made. Yep. So don't, you know, that's, that's a long time All for right. the Yankees. I know what my expectation is. Our next guest, our guest today is going to be outstanding. Uh, you well, think? I, I, I'm pretty certain. Again, ask, ask him about his golf game. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you and him can talk golf. Well, his, guy, his clubs are probably away now, I'm guessing, but. Mer- Merle was Merle was always when I would I wouldn't see Merle a lot, but I would see him. And he, the first thing he'd be talking about, oh Mike, you know my new Mizuno clubs. I just, okay, Merle, how you hit you? And and he loves yes, he, he loves golf. All right, it's the voice of the Eagles. It's Merrill Reese here on working the beat. We are honored to have on the show this week uh, the longest running voice of an NFL team uh, presently in the in the league. It's the voice of the Eagles since 1977. Is that, is that maybe an ever kind of thing? It it's could been be ever. 42 years, right? Is my math yeah, correct? 1977 was his first year as the play-by-play voice of the Eagles. Well, how many guys in the history of the NFL did more than 42 years? That's a good question. Merrill Reese, how are you? I'm well. Good to talk to you guys. Uh, are you? Uh, do you know anybody that's done it longer than you have uh, as a play-by-play voice of a team? I I don't believe it. Uh, at one point, uh, I was tied with Gil Santos of the New England Patriots, and and Gil passed away a couple of years ago. But but Gil's wasn't uh, his years weren't consecutive. In that he had done the Patriots, then they changed stations, and he uh, I think he did the Celtics. He did Penn State. So he put together, I think at the time, about 39 or 40, uh, and then he left the Patriots. He retired, and then a couple of years later, he passed away. But, uh, no, I, I think I do. I probably have done them uh, longer than anybody else, certainly continuously. Brad Sham of the Cowboys is right up there, too. But he took a couple of years in between and did the Texas Rangers. Merle, does it feel like 42 years? I mean, I'm trying to think. In, no. se- in 77, I was in Temple. I don't even know if Kevin was born. Yeah, I, I was three, but I'm, I'm not going to uh, He was that. barely born. Yeah. I mean, that's no, a, I, that's a long it, time, man. It, well, it doesn't seem it. It seems like it's – every year seems like it's – It's uh, I've been doing it about five years or something like that because it's fresh and I love it. And it's, it's, a, it's truly a labor of love and it's something that I will never willingly retire from. Merrill, when you look at, at, at how much the business has changed – in the time of you being the the, the head announce, uh, you know, the play by play announcer for this team, can you talk about like, you know, I, I think some of us forget that you know the Eagles were not necessarily. I mean, they were big; they were always big, but they weren't the everything of the city at one point. I mean, they, they it's just grown so much. It seems like because the NFL has grown so much in, in that time. Yeah, frame. I, I I would agree with that. Um, it's it's far more commercial than it's ever been. It's it's far more of a, an incredible industry than it's ever been, and there is no doubt that it has grown in a lot of ways. In the style of the games and the ratings, so it's uh, it is quite big. But it's it's just as much fun for me as it was on day one. In fact, even more. I love it more every single season. It's because funny when you took over. The Phillies were that was one their heyday, you know, one of their heydays or two heydays, and and then uh-huh. Dick Vermeil comes in, changes it, and then but I got to believe that where it really really changed for for a lot of us was when Buddy came in, because that's when I think the Eagles and the, and like Kevin said it coincides with the NFL, but Buddy just changed everything because I think he made a lot more people event. care about the Eagles. Well, I think I think that's true, but I, I honestly believe that the Eagles had been down for so long and, and had been a team that uh, they, every year was more frustrating than the year before. And then this this young Rod, uh, Robert Redford like coach comes in from from UCLA, mm. 
and he energized the entire program. And he actually took this team to a Super Bowl and put them on a different level. So I would say that it started with Dick, but uh, but Buddy certainly brought out the passion to an even greater degree. Yeah, because when Buddy, Tyson when Talk Radio, yeah. Buddy came in and that, like we had Angelo on um, the, the and last show. And that's basically when Talk Radio and Buddy kind of meshed. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. is, yep. is Dick Vermeil the best coach you've ever covered? Well, he, he certainly... Um, he, he has always been my number one guy. There's, there's no doubt about it. Dick is, a, is an amazing coach. But if you look in the dictionary under the word charisma, uh, there is Dick Vermeil. But I have to also, and I, I know this seems premature after just four years or three years and two games, I'd have to put Doug right up there because he's the guy who brought this team its first Lombardi trophy. And the more I'm around Doug, the more I am impressed with his, uh, his, his feel for the game, his communication with the players. So I would say that the two best are were, uh, you know, certainly Dick and, uh, and Doug and Dick shares that opinion too about Doug. And you mentioned about being around Doug. What is it about Doug's leadership style that is it because he was a former player and he, because he, he, he has that, uh, ability to relate to players on that level that, that has made these guys play for him the way they have over these last three, four years? You know, I think that's a big part of it. I do. I think that's a big part of it that he understands them. Uh, we have gone in the city from the worst communicator I've ever been around to, to one of the best. Uh, Doug communicates with the players. They feel that he, that, that he will listen to them and, Take their suggestions if he feels that they're valid. And at the same time, don't mistake Doug for just being a friend of the players because Doug knows when to be authoritative. Doug knows when there uh, are disciplinary measures to take that he steps forward and takes them. He's a very, very strong individual. But at the same time, he is a real person. He laughs and he kids around and he has that that human side that very few head coaches display. It, do you see? You know, one of the knocks on Doug when he was hired was we were getting Andy Reid light, and I think you know people saw it somewhere that. But he's he's his own man. But do you see how much similarities do you see in what he does and how Andy conducted himself for all the years he was here? Very little, very little okay. actually, um, because don't forget. He did spend a lot of time around Andy, but he also spent a lot of time around Don Shula and Mike Holmgren. So I think he is a product of that kind of background. But he's he's different than Andy in a lot of ways, and yet he's also meticulous like Andy in that he prepares for every eventuality. So there are aspects of Andy Reid's uh, theories on coaching that, that Doug has picked up, but it's it's not just Andy. It's the combination of many coaches, and of course, it's Doug being Doug. He's not affecting somebody else's personality. Merrill Reese joins us here on Work on the Beat. Merrill, let me get to this week's game, and obviously, after what happened last week in Atlanta and how they hung in there despite the fact that most of their offensive weapons were gone. I mean, between Jackson and, and Jeffrey and Goddard, how much does Doug have to uh, how uh, Doug's game plan was was pretty limited last week do you expect him to maybe change his approach this week assuming you don't have Jackson and, and Jeffrey and Goddard again I think he will I, because he has time to and I think he will he will plan as if he's not going to have them uh, I don't know that I'll have any of them he certainly won't have the Sean Jackson and he will uh, he will game plan according to what personnel he has, and he'll activate. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like Alex Ellis, the young tight end, right. uh, dressing on Sunday afternoon. I don't think he'll he definitely won't go into this game with one active tight end, and uh, I, he will be able to do that. But Doug is never a guy who makes excuses. You know, I used to use the phrase when people ask me how the team will do. I used to say, well, I think they could be 10 and 6 if they stay healthy. I I no longer put those words, if they stay healthy, in my vocabulary. 
because in nineteen in the, in two thousand and two thousand and seventeen, they lost their best offensive lineman in Jason Peters. They lost their best linebacker in Jordan Hicks. They lost their kicker in Caleb Sturgis. Their best uh, their, their their best special teamer in Chris Maragos. Their all around weapon Darren Sproles, and ultimately their MVP quarterback in Carson Wentz. And they won the Super Bowl. So uh, Doug does not use that as an excuse. Hey, Merle, do you think you know, they, they went out in the offseason and got Howard? They drafted a kid pretty high. Don't you have to maybe, especially with all the injuries you they may have on the outside, don't they have to try to run the ball? And I know it's an easy thing to say, oh, you got to run it, but you know, you got to do what the defense is giving you also. But I just think they have to try to run the ball at least a little bit more. And it maybe take some of the, the hits on Carson Wentz away, too. Well, I think they will. I, I think when you're playing the Lions, I think they will try to run the ball. Funny thing about the running statistic is that sometimes it's misleading because if you get into a situation where you're behind, and they have been behind the last couple of weeks, uh, then you're going to have to play catch-up and put the ball in the air more often. And if you take a lead – then in the third and fourth quarter, you're going to run the ball a lot to run the clock. So I think that, that the, the sheer statistics themselves can be misleading. But in answer to your question, Mike, yes, I, I think they have to have the productive running game. I still have they I still think they have to set up the passing game with the running game first. And I think one of the things when you look at especially if you run the football this week you're keeping Matt Stafford off the field. And I think that's something, the the one concern you would have if you're the Eagles is you don't want Stafford to get on a roll offensively. I think they can handle everything else with the Lions, but I would be real concerned about giving the ball too many times to Stafford at this point. I agree. I agree. You know, people talk about people talk about the elite quarterbacks. And immediately they say Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Then they throw in, of course, Patrick Mahomes, who might be, the most talented of all right now, and uh, you know that. But they're but they to me, Matthew Stafford is right there with the best of them. He is a pure passer. He's got a great arm. Just over the years, he hasn't had the right cast around him, but he is big and he is tough and he can pick a defense apart. They have got to put a prolific pass rush on Matthew Stafford. Merle, the last time the uh, Lions came in here, it was a snowstorm, and Shady had that great day. Was that? I remember watching that game. I thought it was one of the more fun games that Philadelphia has had in in a while. Do do you have remembrances of that game? I mean, it was because I remember it was just one of those days where everybody kind of, when it was over, was like, "Wow, that was." Let's do that again. Let's have a snowstorm next week. Well, you know what, Uh, Mike asked if I have any memories of that game. I, I remember it every day because every time I go into my family room over the fireplace is a great big frame picture of Shady McCoy leaping over a couple of lions in that game and, and running to an all-time Eagles rushing record in that game. So I remember it uh, like it was yesterday. It was it was one of the more fun games, one of the more unique games. I, I can still I can still remember Brent Selleck lying in the snow doing that snow angel. You know, it's funny. We mentioned LaShawn, we mentioned the Sean Jackson in this, and we mentioned LaShawn McCoy. And here are two guys who were arguably two of the, the, the most fan-identifiable. Fans love watching both those guys. And they were exciting. They were exciting, and they got dispatched here out of here because of a guy you mentioned before, which was Chip Kelly. I mean, do you ever sit back and wonder what it would be like if you had those two pretty much our whole careers here? Well, I I'm right now I'm on to thinking about what they're going to do about the Lions. Okay. I spent a lot of time thinking about the past, but uh, I certainly was one of those who was outraged when they they sent both of those guys packing because they were both – Deshaun Jackson is the single greatest tracker of a football I have ever seen. And my friend and my partner in the booth, Mike Quick, agrees with that, that – that nobody can track a deep ball the way Deshaun did. Even in the Washington game, that second touchdown pass was not perfect. He actually had to slow up his steps and figure out a way how to adjust to go up and get that ball, but he's remarkable at doing that. 
as far as Shady McCoy is concerned, he is quite simply the greatest running back in the modern history of the Philadelphia Eagles. From the time of Steve Van Buren on, Shady McCoy's been the best. Merrill, you talk about your preparation. Give me, give me a little uh, thumbnail on what you are like now. You know, we're taping this Friday morning. What are you like now between between now and Sunday, getting ready for a game? Well, I, I continue to zero in on everything that's happening. I continue my preparation. I I watch uh, end zone offense and defense of the Lions and try to see exactly what they do so that I'm not surprised on Sunday afternoon. It's um, no matter what time I get home during the week, um, I will go up and I can get home seven, eight o'clock at night. I will still go uh, into my into my workroom and and spend at least two and a half, three hours uh, studying, and that's along with being down there during the day and being in the locker room and meeting with the coaches and talking to the players and being a part of practice. So it's a, it's an ongoing thing. It's, it's really a way of life. It's not just a job. Could you talk a little bit about the guy who sits next to you every game? Um, you know, he's become, and he had a really great career, you know, for a guy that we didn't want to draft because we wanted Perry Tuttle, but He's become like an icon in this town, uh, Mike Quick has. And what is he? And he's gotten a lot better. You know, he was kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool. What What is he like to work with? He's a pleasure. Uh, number one, Mikey, like like you and I, and I, he's a golfer. He loves to play golf. I've played with him. But, <laughs> oh, and, and he can play. Yes, he, he can. can really, he can really hit it. But the thing about Mike, the thing about Mike as a player is he was such a professional. He was not one of these diva wide receivers uh, with the exception of trying to avoid training camp at all costs. Uh, when the season began, Mike was zeroed in on his assignments. He was never late for practice. He was always ready for every eventuality. He looked at a ton of game tape. It's the same thing, Mike, as a broadcaster. He is prepared to the nth degree, he has his conversations with coaches and players and does his film study. He is, he is always prepared, and being with him at the booth is, is fun because he's such a, a down-to-earth guy. And uh, while both of us prepare a lot, uh, we like it to come off as if we're just two guys having fun watching the game. And with the exception of the fact that statistics are being thrown in their faces, there are commercials to read. There are signs from the statistician. There are a host of papers passing back and forth. We really are two guys hanging out and enjoying a football game. You know, Merrill, I still remember one of your one of your really, really good calls. The 99-yard TD reception against Atlanta in overtime with Mike. Uh, <laughs> do, do, you, do, you, do you think that's one of your better ones? Well, I don't know if it's one of my better ones, but it's certainly one that's in my mind too. Can, now I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. Can you tell me the names of the Atlanta safeties oh, God. that he beat for that touchdown? I just remember it was a slant, and Jaws put it right on him, and and I, I can't remember. No, or we... he he ran between Scott Case and Bobby Butler. Wow, there's a trivia wow. question. <laughs> Merrill, one of the things, too, with you and Mike is you're critical. And, and, you know, if you listen to – if you're in your car and you listen to other NFL broadcasts – Which is re- which is refreshing, by the way. I was just going to say, not every broadcast is as critical when the team is going poorly as you and Mike have been. Um, is that just feeling – a feel for the game? I mean, just something that you, you, you guys can be – a, a fan in a sense where you could you could be you could be excited when they're doing well, but you can also be critical of them when they're not doing well. I think basically, um, Kevin and Mike, it's 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 a matter of respect for the Eagles fans. I think we live in an area of very very knowledgeable football fans, and they see what we see. And when there's bad play. There's bad play, and, and there's no getting around it. We're not there to sell tickets. We're there to say and report what we see. Naturally, we want the Eagles to win, and our voices reflect the highs and the lows. But at the same time, if, if you see three offsides penalties, you're, you're going to be very, very critical. When you see a team moving downfield 
and then somebody commits a holding penalty. There is nothing that kills a drive more than that. I mean, it happens, and, and you're frustrated by it, and you let it out, and you say it. But uh, it, it's it's more it's a matter of respect. We're there because uh, we see what we see, and we say what we see and what we feel. And I, I think that's the way we go about that. That's what we uh, believe the Eagles fans appreciate, and that's that's honesty. But uh, look, at times, it, last last week, for example, give you an example in the Atlanta game, they were they were losing, and they came down, and they had fourth and four, and they needed points. And I said, look, my and I tend to be conservative in my football thinking. I said, I take the three points right here. It's early in the game. Get the three points. So Wentz goes back and he 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 hits he hits uh, Nelson Aguilar in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. And I go touchdown Eagles. Doug was right. That's <laughs> why I'm sitting up here and Doug's down there. So I I listen. I'm wrong. I, there, there, there's not a game where I I there are things that I think and then they turn out to be you know wrong. And I'm, I'm just as quick to say that. But I I tend to say get the points and Doug is. Doug is very aggressive in his play calling. You did that with the Philly special too, correct? In the Super Bowl, I did. And you, you know what? This, this is <laughs> going to sound crazy. To this minute, to this second, I still think when you're playing the New England Patriots, the worst thing that could happen is to go for it and fail right before the half. I've seen teams gamble right before the half, lose go to the locker room and the whole game turns around. I still believe I'm hard headed enough to believe that the, the, the right play there was to get the three points, but they went for the Philly special and it's now historic. And it turns out to be one of the great moments in Eagles history. So uh, as, as Mike was the one who after the Philly special said, Merrill, that's why you're up here and Doug's down there. <laughs> when, yeah. All those years that you had, and this is the final question we have for you, Merrill. All those years you had of mediocre football, poor football and everything, that night in Minnesota, did it make it feel all worth it? You know, that, that you, you were able to make that final call you've been wanting to make for, for all those years? No. Um, and, and the reason I say no is because I have never, ever thought that this wasn't worth it. Okay. There has never been a time, there has never been a season where I haven't loved everything that I've been doing and felt privileged to to be up there in the booth uh, calling the games of the team I grew up following as a kid. So I have never, ever lacked the appreciation of it. I never felt that if uh, my career had gone without calling a Super Bowl win that it would have been incomplete. But certainly, certainly, that was the greatest moment of them all. Merrill Reese, uh, fairways and greens, pal. Yeah, Merrill, good luck uh, this week and have a great broadcast and good luck with the golf game. I'm sure Kern is going to be jealous every time you're out there and playing and he's not, so. (laughs) Well, most, I'm going to get nine holes in tomorrow morning, Mike, but that'll be, that'll be about it until we get back from Green Bay. I'm getting 18 in tomorrow, so. (laughs) I I got good. Yeah. Be good. Be good, Merrill. Thank you very much. See you guys. Take care and have a great weekend. Yeah, have a good weekend. Merrill Reese. Our thanks to Merrill Reese for joining us here on Work of the Beat. Uh, as always, you can hear him and Mike Quick uh, Sunday on 94 WIP. And we should, as we mentioned in the interview, in the intro for him, uh, the also the owner of WBCB in the Levittown and Fairless Hills. Uh, and I know that because of my time up in, uh, up in Levittown uh, and covering them. Um, so why aren't we on his station? You can ask Merrill that yourself. I might. Ask him off the air. <laughs> <laughs> I might. Um, all right. It's time for the picks. Uh, Just point me where you want to go. Take me to the action. Take me to the truth. You know, <clears throat> some of us have had success on the pro game, and some have had success on the college game, and it's not the same person. I, I, did I have a good week last week? I, I don't yeah, know. you did. Okay. I see. I, I, I throw them out there, and then I kind of lose track of them. So I hope I help somebody. Um, 
college, I'm three and six on the year, so it's yeah, I wouldn't get depressed about it because you know college has been weird this year. It, it, it's strange because there's been a lot it's of early lofty in the season. I know there's been a lot of lofty lines, and it's it's and you keep ta- you keep taking Notre Dame or against Notre Dame or for Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, that, that that New Mexico bet wasn't exactly good. It happens. It happens. All right, you ready for your college picks? I, I got 10 of them. Like, you know, I, I don't know what this means. I'll, I'll get rid of some of them. I was just going to throw some games out of you and see what you thought. But go ahead, you start. You you, you give me your first No, 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 no. I, I, it's easier for It's easier for you? It's easier so for I give you. So you, you want me to give you one? Well, no. Get, give give oh, me a God. couple. Of, oh, God. Give me, oh, God. like, three. Give me, th- give me four. Oh, God. There I'm was doing so four. Ma- so. Yeah, okay. There were so many games I was looking at, and I've done this, trust me, because the last two days I was playing golf and stuff, and I, um, it, this is kind of off the off the, the the top cuff whatever you want to call it there's some really strange games I, it, should we go against should I go against UCLA want like one more time or is that like getting too carried away they're at uh, Washington, Washington State, State 18 and a half that's a lot but Mike Leach will run it up if, yep. if so inclined I, I well first of all you couldn't take the UCLA's in that game so if you take a side here's an interesting game two teams that stink West Virginia, Kansas. And I was doing good on Kansas. And Kansas came up bad last week. They did they whatever. West Virginia ain't much. But man, Kansas isn't good. Spe- oh, I got one I will take. Okay, go ahead. BC. I'm gonna lay the eight and a half at Rutgers. Because Whoa! Here's the thing. Steve Adizer got embarrassed. He killed those kids. And I think they had a week off. Yeah, they did. Okay. Those kids got killed. I mean, I I know Steve. He, he was running whatever. One of your favorites, right? Yeah, Steve's got some flaws. Um, <laughs> Rutgers stinks. Am I correct? Rutgers stinks. Now, Rutgers is probably looking at this as a game they can win. It is at Rutgers, although I don't think that there'll be, what, 20,000 people there maybe. It's, it's like a temple kind of crap. So I, I will take the Steve Adazios okay. to come back. And this one I'm not thrilled about, but because I – I'm going to take the Michigans getting three and a half at the Whiskies. You know, I thought about that game because everybody is saying they're going to lose. They're going to lose. And they haven't looked apart this year. I, I get, But I was high on Michigan before the year. I could be totally wrong. Ohio State looks like they're better right now. Mich- Wisconsin looks like they're better. And it's at Camp Randall, which is not good. But I think I would I would take the Michigans and the three and a half. Um, and you know what? I'll go for another big game, even though I'd, I'm not really like thrilled about this game. But I'm gonna, I would take the Texas A&Mers laying the three and a half at home against Auburn. And I think Auburn's good. I I, I think I think I, I, I think, think A&M's really good. Te- I think it's two good teams. I think mm-hmm. Texas A&M is a little better. Yeah, I agree. They're at home, and it's a game because they already lost the game, right? Didn't they play Bama? Yes. So you know, and Auburn will lose to Bama probably later on. So. And I'll just give real quick a couple others I was looking at, and I don't know. Do you have any opinion in USC, Utah? I have that in my picks. And then I'll let it go. Because um, I was looking at one side of that game, too. Um, the North Carolinas are laying two and a half at home to the App States. And I know App State's not bad. They're a decent team. They're, Matt Brown's actually done a decent job he came here back early. last week against Wake Forest. And I liked Wake Forest in that game, but I don't think Wake Forest covered. I think I would take the NCs at home. Giving two and a half to the App States because I just think they're going to win the game. He's done a really, he's done. That team was supposed to not be anything. Yeah, I agree. And one more, how what does Syracuse minus five at home against Western Michigan do for you? Nothing. Okay, because I think Syracuse. I am. A, I am burned I think on Syracuse, Syracuse right is a now. better team than they've shown. And to be honest with you, I don't know enough about Western, but it's Western Michigan. It's a MAC team. Now Syracuse could be, they could be done. You know, they could be, they could have gotten thumped thoroughly, and now they're going to be a six and six team, and instead of being a ten and two team. And I think if I had an opinion on the Temple game, since it's local, I have this on my picks too. Okay, well I, well then I'm going to let that go too. But I have a, I have an opinion there also. All right, so that's all of Mike Kern's college picks, and you, and you can peruse them as you see fit. Yes. As we run out of music. Here. Probably the last two I gave out a win in the first of three. Yeah. But I'm intrigued by what you said your picks are going to be. Um, I'm, yeah, this is um, this is a week. I'm, you know, it's strange. I, I actually have some 
really good feelings about college football this week. And I'm going to start that tonight. Me. I'm going to start tonight. I'm going to start with Utah. And I'll lay the three and a half against USC. Okay. USC backup quarterback. USC co- coach already pretty much knowing if he has a clue, and I think he does have a clue, that he's probably done with the new AD coming in. And Utah may be the best hope for the Pac-12 to sniff the playoff. They're the only hope. They're the only hope. Unless the fighting Herms get going. The fighting Herms aren't going 13-0. No. You got to go 13-0, Kevin. I understand. I'll bet you everything you own that the fighting Herms don't don't win 10 or 11. Okay. Okay. Well, just Utah, this is a statement game. It's a national game for Utah. Utah's the best team in the Pac-12. They are. And I think they go into Southern California and just roll the Trojans. This See, week. the funny thing is, I was actually looking at the other side of that game. You were looking at USC? Oh, for the line, the line telling you something? Nah, it's just they're, they're home. You're probably right, because I like Utah. I'm a, I, I had them as one of my overs, like to win so many games that I threw out on Betters Insider, which, by the way, I had my second, I had another guy, I told you that already. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. It's one of those games where you look at it and you're just like, Pac-10 team at home, and I think it's also a big game for USC in the fact that they're, you know, if they don't win this game, then, you know, forget it. Tank uh, in. We'll start to forget it. Um, so, yeah, but but I could see, I mean, that's why I stayed away from it because I just, I like the visitors given the point, you know, and I, but something tells me, I don't know why, that, that USC might put out a really good performance tonight. Let's go to the Saturday slate. You know, the Owls had a great win last week. Awesome win. Great win against Maryland. Defense looks strong. Maryland stunk. I'm taking Buffalo plus 14. I'm with you. I think that this is a bad spot. Not that Temple loses Buffalo's the game. Buffalo's not bad. Outright. But Buffalo's pretty good. Yeah. A team after an emotional win, going on the road, nondescript, special non-conference teams, opponent. Special teams stunk last week. Special teams were Defense awful. was tremendous. I'll take Buffalo. I'll take the 14. I think I, Temple wins, but I, I think Buffalo w- covers. I would. Yeah. I mean, I would be with you there. And, you know, hey, Temple, I'll put this in. If Temple goes up there and wins by like 20, I'll be almost That'll more say impressed a lot. Than, than what. Yeah. yeah. And they get Georgia Tech next week. Yeah. I don't think Georgia Tech's all that. No. So they. This is a good run for Temple if they win outright. I don't think they. Win the game. I, I would if I was if I was. I'm going to throw out something on better. I, I am going to lean to, towards Buffalo. Yes, I was looking at that game. All right, my third out of four. You know, Michigan State is one of those teams, and we heard we had Dave Jones on earlier in the year, and Dave Jones loves Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And then Michigan State gets beat by the Fighting Herms last week. You know, Arizona State they stink offensively. Mm-hmm. They are awful offensively. Well, they were laying a lot of points to, yeah. the, to the Arizona State. That, and point spreads don't mean anything. I mean, that's just what people, you know. I, I'm taking Northwestern, get nine. See, and I was a half. looking at that side, too. Because I, Northwestern North, at home. Yeah, Northwestern. Getting nine and a half. I would lean towards that. That was one of the games I had I mean, it, it's just one of those things. That, uh, you look at this and you go, what am I missing? You know, why is this? Why is Michigan State, with the way their offense is, favored by. Nine and a half over anybody. I, I I would agree with you. All right, and finally, and yeah, I've I mentioned this earlier. I'm gonna cue to Rudy music again here. You know, everything lines up against Notre Dame this week. They have not won a road game against a top five team since 2005. They have lost their last seven at night versus top five teams. Brian Kelly's resume. By the way, the the win again in 2005 was Charlie Weiss's second game. It was at Michigan, and Michigan ended up going seven and five that year and wasn't anything so hot. So, the history for Notre Dame on the road at a elite level team lately, and lately being since the first George Bush administration, has been awful. There's something different here. I don't know why. I think Ian Book may be the reason, and I may be buying in the Ian Book. I think Notre Dame goes and covers the 14 and a half at Georgia. I think they make it a game. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a field goal game late. Well, see, I think this is a sucker play, and I think I think Notre Dame could cover. I mean, obviously they could cover it. Georgia, I mean, what has happened the last three or four times they've played a good team? 
they've gotten killed. Doesn't mean they're going to get killed this time. Georgia apparently is still upset about last year that Notre Dame got into the playoffs, playoff, got whacked by 30 or whatever they lost by, and Georgia had a I should point. I should point out to the Paul Five Mamas of the world, they got beat less than... By Clemson, they got beat less than what Alabama did. But okay, go ahead. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The, the, the they were going. They got sent to the Cotton or the Sugar Bowl, whatever. It was yeah, it was Texas and, and and Texas whacked them because they didn't want to be there. I don't know. I I, I I think I don't think Notre Dame can win the game, and I think you're just looking at it as well. It's two touchdowns, and I I get it. Two touchdowns, and, I, and I'll admit two that's touchdowns probably right. is a lot, but I am just for a top ten. I, I'm going to stay away. Because of the history, I'm bucking a lot of history, and the fact that I think if Georgia gets ahead, and we've seen this with Notre Dame many times, if they fall behind, they just they're done because they don't come back. They don't. They're they're not the kind of team that's down. You know, two touchdowns in the second quarter, and all of a sudden they're flinging the ball here and flinging the ball there. Notre Dame almost has to get out in front early, and then try to you know milk a game out of it. I, I would stay away, and I and I looked at it. I was going to take Notre Dame. The same thought process as you, and the more and more I thought about it, I'm just like every time Notre Dame plays a team like this, they are so out out athletic at every position that you're almost hoping for a miracle. And like, that being said, if you look at Notre Dame's schedule the rest of the way, it's handable. If you get past this game somehow, if you somehow win this game. You're going to be favored in every game the rest of the way. They won't. They might not be favored at Michigan. It all depends on what happens with Michigan. They might not be favored in that game. But that that's the only one right now. Stanford doesn't look so hot. You're playing USC. It's a rivalry game. I think you're making a little bit too much out of Notre Dame. I mean, I think Notre, well, Notre Dame is, beat New Mexico. New Mexico no. was getting 30... Nine points. This or is the ultimate referendum on Brian Kelly. No, it's week. not. Dude. You, Kevin, you do that all the time. The ultimate referendum on him was if he would have won the game last year in the playoffs. All this does is get him to three and zero or four and zero and sets him up for a run. He doesn't have. It's this not type a referendum. Ke- he doesn't Kevin. have a win like this on his resume. Kevin, you make after a these- decade. Kevin, but this is if he wins this, I'm going to think what he's new Rockney. Because he's going to have to win USC game. He's going to have to win that game. He's going to have to win the Michigan. No, 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 no. You're not, you're not, make, you're not making ultimate referendums in week four in September. Sorry. I, I don't go there. It, it's a huge game. If they're going to, Nobody gives him a chance to win except the Notre Dame posse, which, of course, they give him a chance to win if they're playing the Patriots next week. So they're 14-point underdogs for a reason, and that doesn't mean they can't win the game. It just... I'm just telling you, I don't think they're winning the game. So I then it becomes a question. I think of, they cover. I don't think they. Well, win. but but then once again, you're asking. You're, you're, I, I just hate taking teams, and and could yes. they win? Yes, I think they could win. Then bet the money line. I would say bet the money line because you're probably going to get like five to one on the money line or some absurd number. Maybe not as much because it's Notre Dame. I just think that every time Notre Dame lines up against teams like this, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Uh, there's probably a couple more I could throw in. They can't play with these teams because these teams have athletes. When they line up against Michigan, they can play with Michigan. When they line up against Stanford, they can play with Stanford. Because Stanford and USC, they can play with. And they shouldn't be able to, but yes. But they do. But when they play these SEs, these Southern kind of teams that are good, I just think, you know, and I hope I'm wrong because I hope for Notre Dame Harv, hey, Notre Dame Harv's a good guy. Go beat Georgia. Um and if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably take the 14 and a half, but I think it's a sucker. I think it's one of those sucker plays. And yeah, maybe they lose by 10 and everybody's happy. I don't know. Yeah. I tell you, but it's not a referendum on Brian Kelly. All right. Let's move to the NFL here. Ooh. Yeah, this. I went to one last week. But Mike, uh, you can go first on this one. Ooh. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It, it, we are week three of the league where they play. Or they pay for the pay. play. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I sound like Francis. I actually just played that clip below it. <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, this is, I, I, I'm probably going to throw a teaser or two out there because there's a lot of games like this week where, and there's a couple over-unders real real quick. Chicago's at Washington, mm-hmm. giving four, and the, and the over-under is 41 and a half. That seems like an underplay. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, but I'm bad on sometimes over-unders. I get I get whatever. And another one, Rams-Cleveland 
at Cleveland, overs 47 and a half. I would, I would take over because I, I think there's going to be points in that game. Neither um, defense I, I'm in love with. But go ahead. Nah, nah, you know, I mean, and the, the, the Rams didn't give up a lot last week, but that was against the Saints after they lost their quarterback. Yeah. Uh, tell me if I'm nuts here. I like the Colts giving one at home to Atlanta. No, I actually love that. Frank <laughs> but I Roy, didn't, Frank that, Roy I didn't put done, that in my picks. There was like yeah. six games I could have put in my picks. Yeah, this Frank Roy has done, a, I think, a really good job. And, and I'm not in love with their bat, but you know what? And they played really, they've played pretty well so far. Atlanta, I'm still not sure of. I mean, they, I know they played the Eagles. It was a rock'em sock'em game. I think it might have taken a little bit out of them too. They they, they beat the they barely beat the Eagles, who have th- half of their receiving core out. Yeah, because Julio Jones made a great play, and, yeah. and Aguilar drops a pass, and their tight end a great tackle. But that guy didn't get enough credit for the tackle he made on Earths. But um, so I would take the Colts because basically you're asking them to win. And Matt Ryan's also turning the ball over. Way Matt too Ryan's much. on a short week. Uh, and I think they got banged up a little. I mean, I think both yeah, they teams didn't. got banged up. Um, uh, no, it's, see, now I'm down to, I think, where I'm going to take teasers. So, do you want to give your picks or All what? right, yeah, because I got three outrights here. The Raiders stink. The Raiders are awful. Yep. The Raiders' next home game is November 3rd. Yep. They are starting a... A march across the world. Literally, they play a home game in London. They're in Minnesota this week. The Vikings didn't play poorly last week against the the Packers. Fell behind twenty one nothing. Came back, made it a game. I'll take the Vikings. I'll lay the eight and a half. Um, I, I just think that the rate that's an anti rate. I think it's actually nine, but that's it's, well, um, yeah. When yeah. I looked last night, it was eight and a half. Nobody's so. betting the Raiders. Nobody's betting the Raiders. No. Um. Second game, I'll take the Seahawks coming home. Four and a half point pick. Five. Now five. It's okay. Yeah, four and a half is good. Four and a half for yeah, five. Whatever. You if, no, because if you would have bet it last night, it would have been four. Four and a half uh, against the against the New Orleans Saints. I, I when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And it sounds like Sean Payton's going to go with both Teddy Bridgewater and Tayshon Hall. On a steady rotation this week. Yikes. I hate teams that do that. This isn't college football. Especially against the Seattle defense. Seattle run the football. Play keep away anyway. Seattle should cover four and a half. Easy. My last one. It's never easy. Of the four, of the formal picks. <clears throat> and I'll give an eagle pick later. You know, the Chargers kind of got screwed last week in Detroit. There were a couple calls that were just awful in that game. A couple holds that were phantom and everything. Meanwhile, the Houston Texans, who looked decent in week one, got away with it in week two because Doug Marone decided to go for two and and take the ball out of Minshew's hands. The Chargers are favored by three at home. I know the Chargers don't have really a home field advantage because they play in a soccer stadium and there's like 20, 20 people there and all that. But I believe the Chargers are still one of the best teams in the AFC. And I, I can't say the same for the Texans. I, I just am not a big fan of what's going on there. I think that their defense takes play, plays off. I think Phil Rivers could have a big game. I'll take Los Angeles. I almost said San Diego. And I'll lay the fight. I always say San Diego. I, I would tend to agree. I, I'm not in love with the Seattle game because I just, I respect Looks the too easy? I, I just respect the Saints. Um... I don't know if they can go up there and win. It's a real. It used to be a real. See, times changed. Seattle used to be a place you couldn't win. Basically, I don't know if it's quite like that. I, I couldn't bet the Saints though, getting the points. And, and I, I, I kind of like the Chargers a little too. But I think this is a week. If, if and teasers are sucker bets. We, we, we know that. Yeah. But there's games in here like Green Bay is giving seven and a half to Denver at home. Green Bay's not losing that game. I, I think Green Bay's at home. Yeah. Seven and a half. I don't know if they're Green Bay's at home for like five of the next six yeah. or four of the, the next five. Cover the seven and a half, but you can tease them down to one and a half, or you could play a three-team teaser and get them down to where they could lose by a point, and you would still win. I feel the same way about Minnesota. I'm not sure about the nine. Probably laying the nine. I couldn't play Oakland, but I don't think Minnesota's losing at home. So I, I, I would tease those teams down. There was a couple others I was looking at. San Francisco, Pitt, but I'm not. It, yeah, Pitt is one of those teams that just. When I go, I, I actually like Mason Rudolph, by the way. But I don't think San Francisco's losing that game at home. But I get, and maybe I'm thinking of the Pittsburgh of two or three years from. It could ago. be. 
I don't know that. And also, the other one I was looking at, well, two of them. Kansas City, I don't think, is going to lose at home. But the Ravens have been impressive. But I think you could tease KC down. You're teasing all these teams down to a win situation. Same with the Eagles. I'm not sure what the hell is going to happen in that game. But if the Eagles lose that game, and they could, I guess, their season all of a sudden is, is you're heading to Green Bay 1-2 and two on a short week. Yeah. Maybe with some of your guys still not back. I just think the Eagles, maybe even, you know, it might, this may sound stupid, maybe even laying the six with the Eagles this week is the play. Because I think everybody's worried about it, and, and the Eagles might just go out at home and, I don't know, you, you know, their quarterback has a great game, and uh, Ertz has 10 catches, and and I don't know who, who the hell else is he going to throw to. I, and, and that's, I, like, and that's one of the things. I, I'm not, I don't have the Eagles in my formal picks, okay? I just kind of been thinking about it. And honestly, the number dropping from seven and a half to six is a ref, reflection, obviously, on the injury situation. Um, it almost feels too trendy to pick the Lions. It well, does. I wouldn't pick the Lions. I, I, you know, they take the six and because I think the Eagles could win by a touchdown or more. Yeah, I, you know, I, I there have been people who are who have said this week that they think the Lions actually are the best team that the Eagles have faced, and that's nonsense. Well, that, you know, they're not better than Atlanta. I mean, I will say this: when you have Matt Stafford throwing the ball. If your secondary or your defense doesn't have a good game, you know, for whatever reason, Matt Stafford can throw for 400 yards. I mean, we've seen that. But um, I've also seen their defense give up yeah. 22 in the fourth quarter. But once again, to, who is, who, who, so who, who is Wentz throwing to? You know, that's, that's I mean, that's the issue. Yeah. You have Hollins, Aguilar, Ertz, Sproles out of the backfield. Uh, will they run the ball? Geez, we went out and got Howard in the offseason. Would we run the football? But they, they, they're giving Miles Sanders a little too much too quickly, I think. I think they, they think Miles Sanders is – look, and Miles Sanders could be great. But he played Miles, one year of college football. Yeah, but, I mean, they're giving the ball to him like he is a, a three-down back right now, and I don't think he's that. Well, hey, you know, I don't understand why you go out and get a guy like Howard and don't at least – unless he's hurt or something and we don't know about it. So let's see what he's got. You know, the, 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 the two games the Eagles were in, there were games where you could run the football. It wasn't, I mean, when you were down against the Redskins, yeah, you had to throw to get back, I get. But then, and and Doug, and, and, you know, we saw Andy do this. You know, they get into this thing where it's just, they kind of forget about that. Um, and when it works, it works. And everybody's happy. You know, the Redskins are, everybody's happy. Hey, we threw the ball, we threw the ball, we threw the ball. Well, last week, we threw the ball, we threw the ball. Not too happy. <laughs> but I, I'm kind of with you. I think that everybody, the play seems to be the Lions this week because of all the injuries and everything. Mm. Here, I'll it, take the Eagles. It, look, I would stay away from this game if I actually was putting money on it. But I, I think that the Eagles will win the game. See, I think there's, but see, here's the problem. And this is the problem. I'd probably win it by This is the problem with teasers. This is what all the bets, most of the bets I ever make in teasers are for teams to win the game. Yeah. That's all they got to do. And you know what? Somebody doesn't. There's all. There's going to be one or two of these games this week where those teams I just said, whoever it is, Green Bay, San Francisco, the Eagles, uh, Minnesota, KC, of those five that you could tease, one or two of those teams probably will get upset. That's just the nature of that's why they want you to play teasers. Um you know, I don't see KC losing at home, but the Ravens are pretty good. Yeah. You know, maybe the Ravens go out there and, you know, I don't see San Francisco losing at home, but maybe Pittsburgh goes out there. Maybe San Francisco's not ready yet for the the big spotlight. Who and, and maybe they're looking at Pittsburgh saying, okay, Ben's not playing. There, there was one other game I considered. Go. Buffalo. I looked at that too. Buffalo at home. Giving eight. See, I, I just, against, they're playing somebody bad then. Yeah. And I think that was one of the games I thought about maybe. But see, I just don't have enough confidence in Buffalo yet. But then again, I would look at that eight-point line and I would put, maybe play them in a teaser with another team where I get where, where all Buffalo would have to do, all, all they have to do, is win the game. You know, um, because I would have more confidence in that. But, hey, look, that's why they call them teasers. So I, I don't, you know, so I'll give you the, the over, the under, and the Colts. That, and and like I said, there's a bunch of teasers out there that you could, 
you know, tease Minnesota down, tease Green Bay down, and then find a third team to throw in there with those two, or just tease those two. Problem is, if you tease Minnesota down in a two-team, you only get them down to a field goal. And if they win by a field goal, you lose. So there is that. Warning. Warning. This the, the, this is a this is an interesting week, and I think you're oh, right. Interesting week. I, I, well, but for the Eagles, I think it's a real interesting week because I think this determines everything going forward. I think this determines if you go one and three. Look, I think but they, they could win at Green Bay. I mean, we're, we're giving right. them a loss at Green Bay. Well, I think we I think we're giving them the assumption that maybe those guys won't be at Green Bay. Well, either. but even with their guys, people were saying they weren't going to beat the Packers on a short week in Lambeau. So I'm just. You know, but you could be one and three, and then and then win a game or two that people maybe didn't think you could win. And like you said, the closing stretches looks easy, easier. Um, the, the bottom line on this season, they got to beat the Giants and the Redskins twice. You you can't be losing one of those games. And you got to split with the Cowboys. And so then you go five and one in the division, and then so if you go seven and you get Miami. My, yeah, I mean, that should be... Uh, by the way, way, think about this. We were talking about the Bills, right? A buddy of mine, Mike, who I want to have on the show, actually, because Mike actually does a lot of this gambling stuff, too. Mike mentioned, he goes, the Bills could go 3-0 and this week. Still get two against Miami and one more against the Jets. He goes, right. th- that puts them within shouting distance of if you could piece together th- yeah, so, so they wins, could So they could be an 8- or 9-win team. Or you could make a case for them getting the 10 wins and maybe getting the second wild card. They could, no, I'm... I'm but they could be, but so what? He goes, so what? So there's there's a team like that every, Kevin, every year there's 10, uh, 12 playoff teams. And every year, like six of the teams or seven teams the next year are different playoff teams. So a Buffalo. Nobody would have expected Buffalo to be one of them coming in though. Well, no, but I think, I don't think people thought Buffalo was going to stink though. I mean, I thought they were going to be like a six win team. So, okay. So you get a couple breaks, you, you get up to eight or nine and you know. And maybe you sneak in and get bopped by the whoever you're playing. I mean, it, it, a lot of it has to do with schedule. Yeah. And and apparently the, the New Englands have one of the easier schedules because they play the Bills twice, the the Dolphins the twice, twice, and the Jets twice. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I kept sitting there going, how can the New England nothing have the easy one of the easier schedules? I'm like, oh okay, yeah. Nothing can top, however. Have you seen this a uh, baseball number? Have you seen what the Cleveland Indians are against the Detroit Tigers this year? Like the Phillies and the Marlins, or the opposite way. Cleveland is eighteen and one against Detroit. Seriously, eighteen and one. Wow. And they're hanging on. They're, they're tied for the final yeah, wild so card. So basically, they're going the to get in the playoffs because they played Detroit. Detroit, now. yeah. Wow. That's a, that's kind of amazing. I would like to see in the history of of baseball how many teams have done that. How many teams? Well, they didn't always play nineteen games, but <clears> if you played whatever. How many teams have gone like like fifteen and one? And the run differential between them is plus like eighty seven for Cleveland. Wasn't there four teams in baseball going to lose a hundred games? Yeah, that, that's brutal. Two, you have two already, and there's still ten games left. Yeah, so it's, it's about Miami, Detroit, Baltimore, Baltimore, who, who Kansas City was in the mix, and Toronto yeah. was in the mix. And Kansas City is three years removed from winning four years from, from winning World the World Series, back to back appearances in the World Series. It's and that, now they'll stink forever, and maybe twenty years from now they'll get. How can you ask a fan base? I I don't get this. You ask a fan, and Kansas City is a pretty good baseball town. Yep. Pittsburgh suffered for twenty years. They got good for a little while. Now they stink again. Um, and I can think of a couple. I mean, Miami's a different animal because it's in Florida, and Florida is different. And Detroit. I mean, Detroit five years ago they had Verlander, and Miggy was winning the Triple Crown. Um. They well, weren't great. They you, never. You also lost Mike Gillich, who was their owner. So there's I some there's some that. upheaval. But, but in the now they're going to stink for a long time because mm-hmm. that's the way. I mean, Houston had to stink for a long time before they got good. It's just I don't know how you ask a fan base. I mean, in Philadelphia, we had five or six really bad years in a row, and yet, oh, well, you know, the Philadelphia fan base. Well, I, who wants to buy a ticket to go see that trek? But now they're not track anymore, they're, which is even more they're, frustrating. They're mediocrity. They're not mediocre. They're, they're, they're going to finish around 500. They're, they're a mediocre. decent baseball team, Kevin, that has no pitching. They're not. You, 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 they're, they're not. They're, when you look at them, you don't say they're a bad team. They're a good. They're not good enough to to get over the hurdle of what 
is in front of them, the Nats, the Braves, and and the, them and the Mets are you know bad, and the Mets have much better pitching. You mentioned the Aaron Nola stat last week, five straight six losses, now now six. How worried are you about? It's the second straight September for him where he's faded down the street. On his last start, he didn't fade. He gave up one run. But four of those six starts, okay. he, four because, of those six starts, he's pitched because awful. he's thrown two hundred innings two years in a row. And there's, I think every time he goes out, there's so much pressure on him. I think this is a little bit of the Bryce Harper thing early in the year. There's so much pressure on Bryce Harper. You know, you got 300, you know, we're, we're going, we're doing this, we're doing that. Okay, how about we win a playoff series? Because Bryce has never done that. Mm-hmm. No one goes out. When, when they said five weeks ago or four weeks ago, we're going to pitch him every fifth day regardless. Don't you think he sits there and, go, and goes, my God. Yeah, I got to win gotta, every game. Gotta, and my offense might stink tonight. Yep. I mean... He wasn't good at the beginning of the year. I think Noah is a really, really, really good pitcher. Is he one of the top five in the league? I mean, last year he certainly was. Um, but if if you you know if you were listing down there, I mean, in a perfect world he'd be a two starter for somebody. Like you know, if you had Ver, you know, some of these teams who throw Verlander at you three days, or the Dodgers throw like you know Kershaw, Rio, or you know when you have teams that can come at you like that. Um, I think it just makes it a little bit different. The other four Phillies pitchers, whoever they've thrown yeah, out there this year, not even good. when Arietta was going out there, yep. it wasn't great. But I think the Phillies might want to, whatever you do in the offseason, you would know more about this than me. I'd be telling Noah to kind of <laughs> ease off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just you know, And I might not use him a lot in spring training next year. I might just make sure he's kind of ready to go from here on April the 1st. <laughs> Uh, big weekend up ahead. Uh, I'm playing golf tomorrow, and then uh, I don't know. I didn't have anything planned for Sunday. I guess I'll watch. You know, I'll, I'll probably I'll, I'll be interested to watch the Eagles because I, I I I can't see them losing to the Lions. But you know what? This stuff happens every week. I'll say I can't see that team losing. But it, it's really you don't want to go to Green Bay one and two. You, you just don't. You know, because if you're one and three, the season's not over. But you're one and three. You know, but now you're in a crisis mode. Well, no, you're in a crisis mode. Okay? Well, Why do you throw words like that out there? If you're, you do, if you're it's in, not a crisis. You're one and three, Kevin. You were four and six last year with your backup quarterback. And you almost made it to the NFC title game. Not a crisis. It's a crisis when you get to like seven losses, six or seven, and then you can't lose anymore or you're going to be out of the playoffs. That's a crisis. Um. Who did he get after the Packers, by the way? The Jets. <laughs> then he gets three. End of crisis. Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> then you get three in a row on the road. You get Minnesota. Minnesota. Dallas. Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, you could, I could see a scenario, especially if they're injured. But they could be like 4-4. Four four. Yeah. Then they might not be. They might be better. But I'm saying, but if they're like 4-4, four and four, let's just say for the sake of argument. The four and four after that, then, the then you. But you you have to look at the fact that we're we have our last five games are easy except for the Cowboys. Yep, got to keep the quarterback healthy. That's yeah. the main thing. Or because if once you lose him, then yeah, it's then over. it is crisis. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, babe. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Continue to leave feedback and everything for us. I'm Kevin Cooney. This has been Work on the Beat.